I was making about $45,000 a year. And at that point, it was more than anybody else in my family was making, well, besides my husband, but he has a, you know, he's a whole CS degree. So I never really put myself in his category. Um, so I thought that I was just going to be doing that and that would be it because from where I come from, like, unless you're a doctor or a lawyer, you don't make a hundred thousand dollars. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. Today, I have Ebony Johnson, who is a product manager for Home Depot. But before I let her introduce herself, I just want all of you to subscribe, to support the podcast, listen on your favorite platform, and let a friend know about the No Degree Podcast. So Ebony, now I'm going to let you introduce yourself. My name is Ebony Johnson. Um, I am 38 years old. I think that's important for um, <laughs> a wide range of people who watch this. I am not a, a fresh out of college, you know, um, 18 year old, but I only just recently moved into the product management space. I have been doing it for about three years and I am four weeks into this role at Home Depot. And it's, it's, already been a great learning experience. So I'm excited to be here to share my story with you all. Yeah, no, and I'm, I have so many questions for you. But the interesting thing about you is for two of these years, you didn't really know you're a product manager until somehow you came across the position. So funny thing is, um, all right, so when I was hired, I was hired as the first employee as a start, at a startup because I had healthcare knowledge um, and customer service background. And I thought I was a dev team liaison. That's what I like self-labeled myself because my actual title was customer success manager. And being that my husband surprisingly is a whole software engineer, one day he was like, you know, the things you tell me you do at work (laughs) is a bit similar to what the people at my job do who are called product managers. And I'm like, wait, what's that? And I got to Googling it and realized like, there's a whole career field for this. And I'm not just a dev team liaison. <laughs> wow. And you know, I didn't know what a product manager was until like a few years ago. And it's one of those interesting things that you're like, wow, this is me. And when you come across that role, you're like, that's me. I wish I knew about this way earlier. And I think that's one problem with the industry is a lot of people are in the know, but a lot of young kids, a lot of kids out of high school who are the sort of the people who bring people together, who are coordinating things. They don't know about it. So this is a good episode for you because I know so many people have not heard about this career. And now let's kind of take it back. Would you want to be in high school and how was high school like for you? Um, so coming out of high school or while I was in high school, I wanted to be a veterinarian. That was my first dream job. And um, I just wanted to see happy animals. And I quickly came to realize that in order to be a veterinarian, I have to, I have to first see them unhappy and sick. and sad. And honestly, I just couldn't handle that emotionally. Um, So I quickly learned that there was no point going to veterinarian school at Cornell University because (laughs) I would not be able to be successful. Um, So I happened to become the uh, water girl slash student trainer, um, student uh, uh, athletic trainer at my high school and fell in love with that. Um, And so I went to college um, as a kinesiology major, chose Georgia Southern because at the time they had the top football team. um, And I just thought it would be fun to be on their sidelines. They also had one of the top kinesiology programs. So I paid out-of-state tuition, honestly, to go there. That's that's expensive. (sighs) But it was cheaper back then. Mm. I had a full... Um, but they call it in South Carolina Hope Scholarship yeah. because of my GPA. But I, had, I would have had to go to a South Carolina school and I was like, yeah, I want to go to Georgia Southern. And I waved it and paid out of state tuition. It wasn't uh-huh. smart. What we do when we're young. <laughs> <laughs> so you were in college. Now, obviously things changed. What caused those changes? So when I got there, 
Um, it was the semester after the top football player graduated. And all of a sudden, we weren't winning anymore. <laughs> oh, man. oh, no. I was like, I don't think I want to be a sports trainer anymore. We're not winning, which is totally <laughs> the wrong answer. Yeah. The wrong reason for wanting to be a sports trainer. But like, that's all I thought. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to be on the sidelines anymore. I'm going to find something else. Um, and so then I just became a biology. I switched to biology. It's like, I think I want to help. These aren't my, I, I understand anatomy, you know. Then, I, so I changed to biology. And I had friends who were graduating biology degrees and still were like, they didn't know what to do with their degrees. They were just like out there in the world trying to find jobs. And I'm like, that can't be me. And so I changed my major again. And um, I went to my advisor and they told me about radiation therapy. And I actually had to transfer schools. Um, so I moved to Savannah for a radiologic science um, major. And because I wanted to treat radiation patients, cancer patients. And then that didn't turn out either. I was just all over the place trying to find myself and spending a lot of money doing it. Um, but yeah, so I eventually I was just like, I don't really want to be so hands-on with the patients. Like I was good at it, but I didn't want to do that. So I didn't complete that. And I ended up just like working at customer service. Like, like call centers till I could figure out my next move. Okay. So what was that next move? So after working at T-Mobile, customer care, Apple care, customer service, um, I realized that I liked the aspect of working from home. Um, so I tried to figure out what I could do working from home in and using this information that I had about oncology. Like I knew about anatomy it was, it just, and radiation just felt like it was a waste because I wasn't applying it. Um, and so I discovered the cancer registry. Cancer registry would allow me to collect data on cancer patients, um, you know, not be hands on with them in the hospital, but kind of like reading their charts and sending their information out to the state for statistics. And I was able to do that without having a bachelor's degree. Um, I actually went to, one of our community, my local community college and just like enrolled in a class and transferred in all my university credits and just said, just give me an associate of science just so that I could at least say that I did something in the world. But I never finished my bachelor's and I was always just like, at least I could get this certification um, for radiation, for um, cancer registry. And I immersed myself into that. I started to um, CTR prep classes, like um, the certification prep classes, I would help in those. I would do presentations at state conferences, national conferences, just teaching how things are done at my hospital. Um, and I just thought that that's what I would be doing. That's, that would be my career. I was making about, about $45,000 a year. And at that point, it was more than anybody else in my family was making, well, besides my husband, but he has a, you know, he's a whole CS degree. So I never really put myself in his category. Um, so I thought that I was just going to be doing that and that would be it because from where I come from, like, unless you're a doctor or a lawyer, you don't make a hundred thousand dollars. So that's just where I kind of landed and I was happy. How long did you have that job? I did registry work for about four to five years. Okay. Um, and that's when the founder of Oncolens um, approached me with the opportunity to join her startup um, as the first employee. Um, she found interest in me because I had an overwhelming amount of information, knowledge about oncology, and I had a customer service background. You know, so I didn't know when I was working at these call centers that it would ever be valuable. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that the customer service and all that stuff comes into play because a lot of these people who work at these companies have never dealt with customers at this level. They kind of work office jobs they, and they're so far removed from the customer. So, but you were actually on the phone calls. You were actually on all those things. Companies like T-Mobile and Apple, they, they took customer care very seriously. So there were trainers brought in, you know, to, at the time I was just like, ah, you know, but 
there yeah. were trainers who were brought in to teach you like how to truly have empathy, how to deescalate situations and use words and tones that would delight people and make them fans after they got off the call instead of, you know, hating the company or hating you. <laughs> so I felt like I was well trained, but I just didn't value it before she approached me. Yeah, it's one of those things like our experiences, like we don't value it until we realize like, wow, it somehow played a part and it set me apart and allowed me to do what I wanted to do. So now tell me about the startup, like this lady approached you and Mm -hmm. how did that happen? How did that go? So um, she met me because I was, like I said, presenting at state and national conferences and she was going to our conferences Um, and her husband surprisingly was a medical oncologist at the hospital where I was working. Um, And so he got a little bit of wind of me. Um, And I think I had joined a informatics, um, a health informatics committee through the Cancer Registrar Association. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just like, I'm going to listen in on these people's phone calls and something will absorb. I'll learn something. And the leader of that organization, um, of that committee, um, her and the founder had a conversation and she said, Hey, you need to go and find Ebony. Like you, my founder had just passed series A funding. She was ready to hire her first person. And so she had heard my name and she was just like, Hey, I think you should take this chance on my company. Um, I didn't know that they would be, you know, around for the next year, but I figured, you know, one, the hospital will always be there. Um, I could always just take this opportunity and come back if I, if it failed. Um, and it sounded exciting, you know, opportunity for me to help her, you know, help with her customers and help to watch the the product grow. Um, I had never been a part of anything technical before, um, outside of, you know, tech support for MacBooks, but that wasn't even serious. That was just like helping, you know, old, old ladies who can't find their power button. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I, I, look, I do tech support and it's like, hey, what's a browser? What's this? What's that? So I know exactly what you dealt with. Yes. Yes. So yeah, she she talked me into it and she was going to pay me a lot more than I was getting paid at the hospital. Um, it still wasn't... I mean, it was... So she agreed to... But I got a $30,000 bump. So that was $70,000. I don't know a cancer registrar unless they're in New York, but like cancer registrars in Georgia don't get paid that like ever. So I thought I was really making it again. Like, oh man, I am a very well paid cancer registrar. (laughs) But I had transitioned into tech and just didn't know it. Um, So I was now using, I was, I was, it was a product that we were building for oncologists for them to, um, coordinate discussions that they were having about their cancer patients. I had played a part in these. I had attended these meetings. I had helped to doctors prepare for them before. So I was able to bring a little bit of subject matter expertise. Um, when I look at screens in the software, I'm like, ah, we need to change that. That's not how it's supposed to go, you know, or I see a, a, a an anatomical term that's not spelled correctly. Like I recognize things like that. Um, or using the wrong context, you know. So I was bringing my industry knowledge to help the developers to improve the software. But it was just that because I was the first one, like I was the first employee. She had a team of engineers in India, and so literally, they, I was all they had to to figure out like what what they needed to fix or what they needed to build next. You started learning a lot too, because obviously you had a lot of experience, but you also had to figure things out. How was that process like for you? So when I first got there, um, I was just basically saying like, hey, this this one particular thing on this screen is not right. And before the customers notice it, let me send a note to the engineering team and hopefully they fix it overnight <laughs> and change it. So I was just basically sending them emails like, I think we should do this. You guys need to do that. And they would attempt to code up what they thought I was talking about um, overnight because of the time difference. And when I come back, I'd be like, that is not what I meant. Like, how did they understand this from what I said? And um, that went for about a, you know two or three months of me fumbling. And then her third hire was our VP of engineering. 
And that's when things really kicked off for me because when she, when he came along, he taught me like, okay, we're going to write a story and I want you to write it in this format. If you write it in this format, the engineers will understand exactly what you're trying to get across and even like showed me how to make a mock-up to where they could visually see what I was talking about. And that saved us so much time. To me, that was like, um, it was a, a it was a, a turning point because we were I was learning how to work more efficiently and communicate more efficiently with the engineers so that we could make the customers happy um, because they I mean the software was pretty new um, it was only about two years old at that point she had some you know hospitals using it but it was very far from perfect. Um, so there were things that customers were recognizing too. And I had a backlog of things and had a limited dev team. So I was prioritizing. I was in sprint meetings with them. That was when I learned about the word sprint, but you know, I was in meetings with them and they'd say, Hey, Ebony, we got this much bandwidth left for this next upcoming two weeks. Like, do you want us to do this story or this story? And I'd have to like decide, okay, this one can wait. I'll explain that one over here to that particular customer. Let's do this one first for whatever reason. Um, so I learned a lot, especially in the beginning, about how to communicate with the engineers. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's the best way to sort of learn. You're just kind of getting better and all that. Now, how long did you have that, that job? I was there for three years total. So two years was with my title being customer success. And then when I dis- when I realized that it should actually my title should actually be product manager, um, that's when I kind of had a conversation with my with my CEO. It was just like, yeah, I think like this is what I want to be like officially. I want to officially be a product manager, and she agreed to the title change. She didn't agree to the salary change, <laughs> but she agreed to the title change, and so that was kind of like the 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 spark for me. Like I felt a bit more official. Um, Cause like I had been joined at, by that point, once I figured out that there was a whole industry of people out there doing what I had just been winging it to do. I started like joining clubhouse sessions and, um, and like LinkedIn groups and just like learning all I could listening to these people. And as I would be in these spaces with them, I was always saying kind of like, um, I'm an aspiring product manager and, uh, and got to be where several of them were just like, look, you're not aspiring. Stop saying that you're going to call yourself a product manager from now on. Like, get it together, Ebony. <laughs> I'll be like, okay, I guess, you know, but I just felt like nobody had taught me how to be a product manager. And so how can I call myself that if I'm not 100% like I didn't have a certification in it. Like I was just doing what I thought was right um, for the company, you know, helping where where I was needed. Um, but I'm very appreciative to this day of the people who inspired me to just like claim it and pursue it and get really serious about it. So I'll ask you, what is a product manager? really like this question. Um, I call myself like I call myself a problem manager. I think about the problems that customers have, um, sometimes problems they don't even know they have with using a piece of software. And, and a product manager can also be you know with hardware too, but say a product. There's a product out there and you will everybody always can find something to make it better. Well it might be a hundred different ideas. How do you know which one to do first? Which ones are we going to do now? Which ones are going to wait? Well, we should decide based off of you know a few different things. Maybe the impact it will have or how much money it might make the company um, or how much more customers will be satisfied with using the product. Um, you take all you know those things into consideration as the product manager and you prioritize the work for um, your engineering teams. And, you know, I don't code. I don't know anything about 
code. Like I said, my husband's a software developer, but I have never had a single interest in looking at his computer screen. Like I did healthcare stuff. He did computer stuff. <laughs> so I don't know anything about Java and all that. Um, but I can communicate very well. I can bring the empathy of the customer to those engineers so that they feel good about what they're building too. Um, so yeah, the product manager is driving the improvements and the building of products based off of what's going to be best for the customers and what's going to be best for the company. And then sometimes you work with designers, not necessarily you, but other people. You work with designers, you kind of work with sales. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So this whole cross-functional piece. So um, at my at the startup, I didn't have a designer. Like I didn't know that there were such things called UX designers. Um, and so, but now that I'm at Home Depot, I have a whole UX architect on the UX team. I have a whole UX research team, user experience research team. So like um, at the startup, I was the one who made the mock-ups. They were not great. Um, and our screens were not all that great, but I made mock-ups. When you have a UX designer, they're using like data to decide what those screens should look like, what, what colors should be, what should be underlined, um, you know, where things should be placed. It's great. When sales needs to go out and, and sell a feature that you're about to create or that was just created, they need a product manager to relay to them what this actually is and how they're going to sell it. The marketing team, when they're making brochures at, at the startup, I was the one going to the marketing team and saying like, if your marketing is to doctors, these are the wordings that doctors are going to want to hear as opposed to if you want to sell it to the, to the cancer registrars, like, they have a different language that they're going to see on their brochure. Um, so when you're a product manager, you're the source of, of the information about the software. You're that, you're that, you're the home base. So everyone comes to you to make sure that they understand what they need to have um, as far as a perspective for them to do their jobs for the company. At Home Depot, um, I even work with other product managers. Like it is a major thing to, change like one thing on the Home Depot website, like I probably need to talk to four or five different product managers who all have their own, who all own their own pieces of the website, have their own roadmaps and plans for the quarter. Like we all have to be in sync for me to change this one little piece over here. Um, so it's very team oriented. You gotta, no one reports to, to a product manager. So I don't have the authority to tell anybody you, they should do this because I said so. I've got to like build relationships with people and make friends so that I can call in favors, you know? <laughs> so that's very much product people. Yeah. So let's kind of go back and kind of looking back at your life. What got you ahead? Because, you know, in those type of jobs, you see a lot of people, they work in the hospital. That's it. Maybe they might work at another hospital, but that's what they're going to do for the rest of their life. What got you ahead? And what do you think, looking back, got you out of that? I am one of those people, honestly, who thought I was just going to work at the hospital as a cancer registrar and retire. When I go to conferences, the National Cancer Registrar Association Conference, there are like 70-year-old ladies who are still practicing and abstracting cases. Like, yeah. it's a job that seems like there's no stress. You know, you can do it forever. And, you know, I thought that that's what I'd be doing. But I am also the type of person who is curious. Um, and I think that because I've always wanted to learn more and do more, my manager at the hospital recognized that. And that's why I had the opportunities to be presenting at conferences and teaching others what we were doing at our hospital. Most cancer registrars are not really doing that. They're just sitting and doing their work and that's it. They do what's required of them. Um, but going in and speaking and just like doing something that was more than the minimum required of me got me seen. And I've always kind of been, I've always had it in me a little bit to be curious and show others and just try new things. Um, so I didn't, I did not intend to join tech. I didn't know that I was capable of that. So I didn't go to pursue it, but 
it happened for me because I was open enough to at least be teaching others. And therefore, someone was able to discover me and say, you look like you're somebody who can at least take my company to the next level. I like to push for people to get out of their comfort zone in things and just try new things and put yourself in positions that maybe you would not have done if someone didn't, you know, if you're just doing the same thing all over, you know, over and over again, it might feel comfortable, but try something new. Let someone see you do something, take interest in something else. And you never know what might happen. Um, I did not know that radiation therapy was a thing. I went to my, my college advisor and they happened to mention it to me. Um, I had to completely switch schools in order to do that, but I was willing to because it was interesting and seemed like I could be passionate about it, you know? So just got to keep always being open to try something else or else you will be stuck doing the same thing until you retire. Yeah. And I, I see it in those industries and it's like, it's look, it's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes if you may want something more, you may want something different. Now, what are some of the mistakes that you've made along the way? I'd say, um, I wish I, is that a mistake or is that something I wish I knew better? Um, like, I always look back and just wish I didn't sell myself short. Like I did not pursue a lot of things because I just felt like I wouldn't be given the opportunity because I had not done enough yet in my life, like get a bachelor's degree um, to move into spaces where people with bachelor's degree degrees are. Um, I'm people from Georgia Southern. And from my school in Savannah Armstrong, I'm sure all my friends thought I graduated. Like for for a good 10 years, I felt like I hid from the world. Like, just don't ask me. Like, I'm not coming to reunion. I'm not like, I just lived in a state of not being proud of myself and my accomplishments. And I was doing okay, but it was just never to my own. I always had a higher standard for myself that I never felt like I could reach. I think that was to my detriment because I could have gotten here sooner. I bounced around a lot. I spent a lot of money. I don't regret spending time at college. I think it helped me to learn like, you know, how to adult in a way. <laughs> but everything really that I've learned now, like learning from network and learning on YouTube. Maybe, and we didn't have really YouTube back then. Nope, back then now. it was different. Back then you have to get the right. book. You have to know someone. Now it's just like, I want to, oh, let me go look this up. There's like, 18 hours of the topic that I want to learn about. Yeah. Instead of a whole semester <laughs> at $20,000. Yeah. I spent the, I, I, I really wish I had not. Um, I don't know. Gosh, it's hard to live in the past because like I said, I gave up my scholarship. My soccer, I could have went to any South Carolina college on a full ride. And I didn't have family members who went to college to tell me, not to do that. It was just, hmm, I want to be a sports medicine trainer at the best football team school. <laughs> yeah. I, I just signed these papers to take this loan. Like, whatever. Just totally was uninformed and learned a lot on Google late. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, Google is an amazing resource. Now, looking back, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment? Um. Career-wise, I think getting this this job at Home Depot so far has been the biggest for me because this was the first time that I recognized, one, that I was undervalued and I did something about it. Um, I pursued the information in the network in order to move myself to the next level and to get a substantial pay increase to, and I finally started to, I had finally like started to value myself. I am very proud of the fact that not only have I propelled myself here, but I'm now like, I've spoken to so many people in the last three months, just on like coffee chats who are trying to come behind me. And I'm like, giving them the real deal. Like, you can do this. If I can, you can. Like, I feel really good about 
being able to share my story with people. And so many of them tell me like, just like the thank you, like it helps them to now be able to move to the next step too. So like just growing as a person, growing the confidence to leave, you know, my last job because I had a lot of loyalty built up there. Like, Oh, that was hard. That was my baby, that product. Um, but being able to say, I'm ready to take on a, a big girl <laughs> product job. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take this to the next level. Um, now I'm, I'm in this industry, like for real, and I'm going to become a product leader. Like, but I've finally propelled myself into this. And I'm really happy that I'm going further to like help other people too. I don't waste a moment to like tell somebody that they can do it as well. And whatever cheat codes they want, I will give them. (laughs) Yeah. No, thank you. We need more people like you. Now, what was the hardest period of your life that you went through? When I, when I, probably when I dropped out of the radiation therapy program, I felt like I would never be, like there was no, there, I felt like there was no going back. Like I, it was, it was a, like that's when I went into hiding in a sense. Like it was a hard, long amount of time because I ended up doing customer service jobs. Like I was not supposed to be doing that. That's how I felt like I was too smart to be doing tech support because I thought I'm supposed to be like my friends, you know, with a bachelor's degree doing, I don't even know what they were doing. In my mind, I was just like, I'm never going to like, unless I figure out a way to get myself back in school at some point, I'm just going to always be mediocre. And those were like, they were very miserable years for me of just being sad and feeling like I just didn't want anybody to know much about me. Like I just didn't want to have conversations with people about education. I would just hide and try to change the subject. Um, my husband will always just be like, you know, it doesn't matter. You you still, you know, you're still successful. You're still doing things you didn't know you were going to do. But it, they always just like ate at me. Like I could probably be doing so much more if I just go back to school. It was, yeah, I think that was like a long, that was a dark period for me. I knew better that I didn't want to spend more money by that time. And I really didn't want to invest as much time again either, but I didn't know any other, I didn't, I didn't know any other routes to I didn't even know about other careers that existed, for example, that didn't require a bachelor's degree that could make a hundred thousand dollars. I was, I didn't know my own. The only other person I know who makes that is my husband. He has a comp side degree and I'm not going to get that. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it was a lot of years of just like feeling low self-work. How'd you bounce out of that? I think I kind of just, once I, once I discovered the cancer registry, I kind of just had to give myself a pep talk. It was very internal um, where I was just like, okay, at least this is something where I can be impactful. I am smart in this industry. There are people who want to hear what, what I know. Um, I, you know, I was awarded an outstanding new professional um, plaque. You know, it was, it felt like I had finally found a career because I did not feel like my customer service jobs were a career. That was not like, that was not what I considered a career at the time. Um, and so when I discovered cancer registry, I found out there was a certification and I worked my way, my way backwards on the requirements to get it. Meaning like I had to volunteer at a, you know, um, get a certain number of, not volunteer, but a certain number of hours volunteer or paid in the industry. So I went to one of our local hospitals and went to the cancer registry department. It was like, Hey, on my days off, like I'll come in here with y'all and open mail or do something. And, you know, I was just like listening ears and just wanted to be in that space so that I could, pers- you know, sit for that exam. And once I did, it was like, I finally got at least something under my belt. Something, I had letters behind my name. It was Ebby Johnson CTR, Certified Tumor Registrar. That felt like 
okay, I have a career and this is something that I can be satisfied with for, for life. Was there ever a time the lack of college degree held you back from some of these roles? Not from any roles that I actually pursued. <laughs> um, I kind of felt like I knew better than to try to pursue the ones that said they needed a college degree. Like, honestly, even looking at product manager roles, they say that on there. Like, unless until I, because I had people in these communities online, on Twitter and Clubhouse saying like, ignore that, talk to the people anyway, and let them know how valuable you are as an employee. If I didn't have that, I never would have applied even to like the product jobs. Because they say that. And I believe it every time I read it. (laughs) And I think a lot of people believe that whatever a job description says, if you don't have all those things, then don't don't even attempt. Like it's almost like um if you like it's almost like if you go and put in an application for a job that you clearly don't have all the requirements for, like almost like you would be looked at as silly. Um, or, um, like, how do you, like, why do you think that your application should be here? Like, like, seriously, that's what I thought, um, would be people's perception of me if I applied to jobs that said that. So I never did. So I don't know. I mean, I held myself back. The jobs didn't pull me back because they never even knew I existed. Yeah. So that's interesting. So you just, you never even experienced that rejection because you just didn't even want to try now, you obviously have this internal thing, like, I don't have a degree, I know better. When did you move past that? Three, four months ago. <laughs> um, yeah, only, only when I, when I met Jay Taylor, who, like, Mentor Mesh, and he, I heard him talk, and he was just like, look, I don't have a degree. First of all, my ears perked up, and I've been, you know, director here, and product leader here, product leader here. And I was like, wait a minute. If somebody like in the flesh who has done these things, I need to tune in a little more. I need to hear what he has to say and how he did this. And he, then it wasn't just him. There were other people like Brennan, like, I'm like, holy crap, there's a lot of them out here. What am I doing wrong to where I'm sitting here like lowballing myself, thinking just because I'm getting paid more than what I was paid at the hospital that I need to stay put because nobody else is going to pay. Nobody else is going to make me into a overpaid cancer registrar. Like that's what I, that's how I saw it. I saw I better stay here and just like be happy. But I was actually an underpaid product manager Mm. and didn't know it until I started listening to them. And like they said, birds of a feather flock together. If you're surrounded by a bunch of people all the time who are not at a level higher than you, you don't know to, to, pursue higher than where you are. So as I started joining those communities and like seeing Jay, Brennan, Felix, Watson, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, if they can do it, I can do it. I know I can. Now, you know, Felix Watson's got like a NBA from UCLA, but I was still able to resonate with him because he was always saying like, that's not even what got him where he is. Mm. Yes, I got that, but That's not why I'm here. So yeah, it was the people. And that was only in what it's now. We're in the beginning of May. And I really started to like open my eyes to all of this in like November, December time. I remember, right? I gave you the interview prep doc and I was like, Ebony, you could do it. Yeah. Like I needed people like that when I, I joined. A, when I, I think it was a, it was Clubhouse. Twitter Spaces. Yeah. I don't even think we had Twitter Spaces. But I don't even it know, wasn't but, big like that. Yeah, and when I saw like the no degree thing, I'm like, wait, there's a whole like person who is out here getting people to be like okay with not having a degree because you could never get me to yeah. say on the internet out loud to strangers that I didn't have a college degree. I was. Very content with letting people believe. I didn't lie, yeah, but I yeah. didn't. I just let people think that. Like, I'm polished. I look like. I speak like I have one, but I would never like bring that up. Like, without even nobody asking me. You know? <laughs> but like, I saw you, and I was just like, 
okay, I'm tired of, of the hiding. I want to be proud of every bit of who I am and how I got here. And I do have a lot of offer and I want other people to see and hear that they can also be proud of themselves. I don't want them to spend the 10 years that I spent in misery of feeling like you can't be proud of yourself no matter what it is that you're doing. I was doing cool stuff. I was doing things. Nobody ever, none of my jobs ever um, saw me as someone who was inadequate. I was always the top in any role I took. But it was my own, it was my own mindset thinking like, okay, but none of that matters because I have like this whole incomplete, it looks like I never finished anything. Yeah. And it didn't even say anything. Like in my mind, that one thing to me meant anything. <laughs> mm, yeah. Our minds go back. Yeah. It's a, it's a mental thing. And just hearing other people say like, that is not where that the degree is not your starting point. You don't even have to, you don't even have to ever get it if you want. It is about what you know. And you can learn that in a lot from all different types of sources. Like I said, most of the product stuff that I do know, I learned off YouTube and LinkedIn. Not even necessarily from the startup because we were winging it in the product phase. Like I couldn't go in my interview saying, yeah, this is how I made decisions. <laughs> that was my user story. That was my product roadmap. That was this. That right. was that. I minimized technical debt and all that stuff. Yes. So I learned those things and I encourage other people, what, no matter where you're, no matter what your background is, you can, you can, no matter what job you've had, you can come up with something that if you look back in your past where you can say you solved the problem and that you learned from it and that you iterated and you came back and made it better. I mean, it could be an event that you planned, like, Anything. It's just a mind product is a mindset. Yeah, so, doing it with software is eventually what a product manager does, but it's a process thing. It's a mindset thing. Um, can you prioritize and do what's important, the most important to to get to the goal? Um, it's very much just my, more mindset than academic, and you can make a lot of money doing it. Yeah. So now you also have something, a different perspective because you're, you're an older job seeker. How was that? Right. Like, that's so funny. I'm like, man, I can't believe I am 38. Like, holy smokes. Like, did you have pushback from other people? Because, you know, there are young kids who, you know, working at these companies. And did you have pushback or it was just like, nope, you just got to do what you got to do? I did not sense any pushback. Um, honestly, I felt like... I was no different than a, a new grad because I didn't know that much. Like, I mean, I don't have years of product behind me. I have years of other stuff. Customer support, like um, radiation. Who even needs that? Like, unless I'm going to be a radiation therapist, they're not leaning on me for that. So I'm not like someone with like 20 years IT experience, you know, like I am no... I feel no different than these ones coming out of college who are just like, you know, just learn this stuff on Google. Like literally that's me. So I, I didn't have the mindset that I was going in to these, you know, interviews as somebody who is, um, who has like been doing this a long time and you should respect my time. And I really want to prove to you that everything I've learned is, or everything I know over the years is so bad. I think that sometimes what older um, um, job seekers, these ones that are very much tenured too, like it's a little bit more of a challenge for them because um, I mean, I can't speak for them, but my perception is just that they feel like they should. They have something owed to them. I get it. You, like they brought so much to something owed to them. They yeah. kind of have the, you got to be a student, like as a product, person you have to be a student you're always learning something new you always learn and so i right so i don't feel like and i and i've even had a couple uh, a couple like coffee chats with some older people and it's so funny because like they're trans they're trying to transition and they're like taking all these classes and certifications and all this stuff and they're still like but i haven't learned this this and this, this and this yet so i'm not ready yet like 
what? You're going to be like doing it forever. Like yeah. jump in now and just do it and go off what you know. And maybe like the older we get, the more we feel like we have to be so much more prepared to transition. But if I see that there are kids coming out of college at 23 years old who are doing this, then obviously there's not much to it. (laughs) I can come in and have been doing it for, or winging it for three years and do it too. Um, So yeah, I, I, I felt like a newbie. I I felt just as much as a a newbie as them. I did not feel like I'm this old timer um, (laughs) transitioner. (laughs) I just felt like I I had, I've had um, different jobs. None of them, see, I didn't even call them careers. Like, I guess if I calculate back, I've had 20 years of working. Lord have mercy. Wait, let me see. Graduated in 2002. Holy crap. So, what, 2020? Yes, that's 20 years of work. Yeah. If I had joined the military, I would be like retired and doing a second career at this point, like, which I never even calculated that. But yes, like, I didn't see it like that because maybe internally, I never felt like I had a career. I was just doing jobs. Cancer registry was the first time I felt like I had a career. And then now I have a new career. I don't, I think maybe that's it. Maybe that's why I didn't feel like, um, I felt just much like a, like an 18 year, you know, like a, a new grad. Okay. Now, I mean, that's a good mindset to have. You're always learning, always trying new things. Now I'm going to ask you a very interesting question. What would you tell 18 year old Ebony if you got to talk to her today? And today you're 18 years old. What would you tell your, that 18 year old self if they're living in society today? So I have a, and I have a seven-year-old now, right? So I'm always thinking of like, what am I, how am I going to drive her to big thing for me is one, I would really like for you to try to pursue your passion first. And if you can go entrepreneurship or even give it a try while you're still like being taken care of by your parents, (laughs) give it a try. And I say that because Once you get into these, you know, the nine to five of a company, it's really, especially on a high salary, it's hard to take a step back from that and think you're going to like, you know, pursue your real goals at some point. I am at that point now where sometimes I think to myself, man, there's some ideas that I really do have that I don't have the time to pursue because I work all day and then I have to hear the kids. So I wish back then that I had just taken some time to learn more about what I like and try them. See if you can make money out there. You never know. A lot of these startup founders, they never know where this stuff is going to go. Have an idea. Find something you're passionate about. Um, I have my daughter in Girl Scouts. And one of the big things about the Girl Scouts is like you do a big project that's supposed to like impact the world. And they actually have one on every level. Um, but like just having that mindset of find a problem that is neat, that is a, that, uh, find a solution to something that can help your community. You might find that you can make a lot of money off of it. There's a girl here that I know in Atlanta. Well, I don't know. I met her. Um, she's the founder of Gooder, G-O-O-D-R. And like her company like goes and collects food from all around and helps redistribute it to play to people who needs it, who need it. She's like a whole tech founder right now. You know, like she was just solving a problem and she's making money off of it. So I really would love for the younger people, the younger Ebony to take that time to just try something um, first. There's nothing wrong with having a nine to five job too. But I want you to be happy. If that's something that you really get excited about, do it. But a lot of times, after 20 years, you realize, I'm really not all that excited about this. And I really want to do that over there. But I can't walk away from this paycheck. <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it's realistic and I completely understand. So what are your future goals now? I think I want to go like to a level of like, principal product manager. I don't think I want to go like people manager route, even though, you know, Jay Taylor has told me, you know, if you're mentoring people, that's basically what 
you know, you, you become yeah, directors and stuff. They're mentoring their teams. Um, but I really want to just become really polished and really, you never master product, I don't think, but like just really good at it to where it's beyond senior product manager and people come to you for ideas of how they can solve problems. Um, it's either that, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to stay in tech. I'm definitely going to stay in tech. I'm definitely going to stay in product. I'm not going to learn how to code anything. Um, it's either that or I'm going to go and start some business doing something and homeschool my kids and travel. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, that's amazing. So final question as we start to wrap up, is there anything you want to share that you haven't shared already? I think I just, if anything I would end with just being like, this is something I tell to people almost every, every call that I have with someone. Anybody can do this. If I can do it, you can do it. And like, I just wanted like, if you need to rewind that and play it again, I am somebody who have no, no certifications in this. No, like there's no minimum requirement. You just need to be inquisitive and passionate about solving problems. And you can do a job like this for technology companies and reach out to me. If you have any concerns about whether that is true, I will be happy to talk to you even more to convince you. <laughs> Cause I need more. I need you. I need people, you know, to come, to come into these spaces. Our perspectives matter, especially when it comes down to software and products. Like you need different people in the rooms to decide what's going to be done next, what's going to help the most people, what's going to be the most good for the most number of people, you know? Um, So I really would like for people to really just seriously consider product and tech in general. Yeah, I wish I did. Definitely one of my biggest career regrets. Now, how would people support you? How would people find you? On Twitter, um, at Ebony Eyes, it's E-B-O-N-Y-I-Z-E. Okay. Um, on LinkedIn, I think it's like Ebony Johnson CTR because I'm, you know, cancer registrar CTR. Yeah, those are where I'm, that's mostly where you find. And then in MentorMesh, um, if you join there, it's free. And I usually post my, um, my Calendly link in the coffee chat corner. So that's a little group where everybody can go and they share their Calendly links and they jump on each other's calendars and you just have conversations with people about whatever career moves, life. Yeah, so you can find me there too. Thank you so much for your time. This was so much fun. I know in the beginning you didn't know where it went, where it was going to go, but I know you did an amazing job. I know the listeners got so much out of it. I wish 18-year-old Ebony could have listened to it. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janai Iqbal. Spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.